Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Commonwealth Sela podcast. Back by popular demand is Foy Bellier. Uh, he was on our podcast about a month ago talking about the important topic of Anam Kara or soul friend. And uh, everyone loved that conversation so much that me and Foy thought we should probably do this again. So today uh, we're talking about something called rule of life. Foy, thanks for being here. Yeah, it's great to be back. Thanks for having me. I can't wait to have this conversation. It's going to be fantastic. Awesome. Foy, just to kickstart, I would love to just hear uh, what what is your initial thoughts around rule of life? Why is it an important topic to you? Yeah, so rule of life is essential for anyone who wants to come into deep union with Jesus. We have to create order in the chaos. And that goes all the way back to the Genesis language. That's what God did uh, to create space and place for us. And what we're doing is creating space and place for him to reorganize, reorder, and bring refreshing as we seek to close the gap between the person we are and the person that we want to be as we walk this thing out with Jesus. So two big things, habits, right? Habits of the heart that's big on uh, everybody's uh, radar right now. And also for those people who love Christ and have come into uh, love relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we want to go deeper. We want to fall down the rabbit hole like Alice, but rather than an upside down world, a right side up world. So chaos is chaos is something that uh, will swallow us up if we can't walk through it with confidence. That's good. So uh, I'm going to kick it back to you in a second here. Let me just um, read some definitions of rule of life that I uh, think are helpful. First off, it's not rules for life. It's rule of life, right? So we're talking about a structure, uh, this set of rhythms and practices that we structure our life around for a particular purpose or to move in a particular direction. So here's just a few helpful definitions. Stephen Machia, author of Crafting a Rule of Life, writes that a rule of life is a holistic description of the spirit-empowered rhythms and relationships that create, redeem, sustain, and transform the life God invites you to humbly fulfill. Pete Scazzaro, author of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, writes, A rule of life is an intentional, conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything we do. He says the starting point and foundation of any rule is a desire to be with God and to love him. And finally, John Mark Comer, who's definitely uh, made waves recently in regards to practices and rule of life, he writes in his book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, that a rule of life is a set of practices and relational rhythms that create space to receive and give love to both God and others. So, Foy, with that in mind, I uh, want you to give us a little thoughts around the definition of rule of life and then also, uh, more importantly, maybe what you bring to the table is some of the history of mm -hmm. rule of life. Well, I mean, after you brought out the heavyweights like uh, Comer and Machia, great Gordon Conwell guy that he is, and some of these others, I don't know what more I have to say about it other than 
man, uh, it's developing a pattern of living that helps us to come into deep union with Jesus, which brings joy. So yeah, I'm not anywhere near as erudite as those uh, fellows are, but that's that's kind of where I'm coming from. So thanks for setting me up with that, uh, Charlie. Uh, I love the history piece of it too. So thanks for letting me, let me speak to that. Uh, the rule of life or the regula vitae, as it has been known in Latin for uh, several thousand years, stretches all the way back, I mean, all the way back uh, into the scriptures. And we could talk about ancient Israel and uh, the Exodus and how God gave them uh, a system, a rhythm, daily, weekly, monthly, annually, feasts and holy days and celebrations. Uh, that's the Old Testament basis of it. And then we see Jesus in the Gospels uh, walking these things out, uh, rhythms of rest and celebration and Sabbath, uh, and many of the other things that we recognize as we as we do the research with these guys like uh, Richard Foster and Dallas Willard uh, and others. But uh, I, I guess I'm most concerned about the transferability of it. So as we look at the disciples in the book of Acts, all they did was imitate Jesus. So that's what he's calling us uh, into today, as well as imitating him. So in church history, in the post-apostolic age, we see guys like Anthony uh, the Great, the Desert Father from the third century, uh, discovering uh, a, a, a regular rhythm of his life, which uh, was founded not just on prayer, but on work. So this rhythm of prayer and work and allowing all of that to help us move into deep union with Jesus. And then Benedict uh, in uh, about 500 AD uh, creates and crafts this rule of life for his monastic community. Um, and we still have that to this day. And that is the basis essentially of all of the monastic experiences and the neo-monastic or new monastic uh, communities of today, all trace their roots back to Benedict as he understood the gospels, apostolic practice. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just exciting to go deep with these guys who knew what it looked like to follow Jesus and order their days, right? I mean, the scripture says to order our days, the psalmist says. So what does it look like? What are we doing with our lives on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, or an annual basis? And to sit with that and to reflect on it and to prayerfully listen to the Holy Spirit and say, God, in what ways can I come into deeper union with Jesus by conforming to some of these gifts that you've given us, which we call spiritual discipline disciplines, which undergird, undergird the regular vitae of our own lives as we make sense of chaos. And I mentioned this to you, Charlie, before, but being in, in the Marines, uh, General Mattis, who oversaw our campaign over in uh, the Middle East, his call sign was chaos. So the adversary his call sign is chaos, and Jesus is inviting us into contentment so we can walk in confidence and greater capacity in union with him. Anxiety is dispelled, uh, efficacy, missional endeavor, all of it takes on greater joy, purpose, and meaning. So I'd love to hear, and you've mentioned this a couple of times, um, I think diving deeper into the why. why. Why should we do this? And that will both help the the person who's sitting here right now saying 
I don't want to do that. My life's already so full of stuff. I don't want to add a bunch of new stuff to it. You know, they're living in the chaos and because of the chaos, they feel like uh, trying to add habits and practices and disciplines to their life is, is just unattainable, but it also helps the person that may dive into this, uh, you know, head first, but then it becomes all about the practices and habits. And when, when, uh, I think we'll, we'll get to the fact that it's actually not about the rule of life, but about what it leads us to and what it does to us and how we are formed by these, this, this space in which that we create in our lives to both give and receive love uh, mm. from God and others. So, so yeah, let's, let's dive into that. What would you say to the person who says, my life is so hectic and crazy. I don't have a moment to take a breath. And now you're telling me I have to add all these habits and practices to my life. Yeah. And that's how it comes across when we begin to have these conversations, Charlie. Right. So um, I think what I would tell that individual, and I've had to have this conversation with myself, is I'm too busy not to do this. I'm too busy not to explore what it would look like to streamline and simplify my life so that the chaos and the anxiety and the disorder and the exhaustion that we feel as Christians and missionary practitioners uh, can be reordered and reoriented. So um, I just got to a place in my life, and you know that I went on a pilgrimage in northern Spain recently, a Camino. I didn't realize how busy and how exhausted I really was until I stopped doing stuff. And I think that's the invitation of the spirit here to disconnect in all of the right ways so that we can reconnect with the one who's promised in Matthew's gospel to give us life and refreshment, right? And whose burden, he wants to relieve us of his, his burden, our burden so that we can take his yoke upon us. And for me, that's what's driving me to do this, to shrink the gap between the person that as I exist now, the practices of my life and union with Jesus that's only accomplished by slowing down, listening to the voice of the spirit and developing a system. And we live in a technical age, right? We need to have a system of living, which is going to allow joy to be maximized and anxiety to be decreased. Yeah. When we went through rule of life with our community, one of the things that we, we really tried to understand for each one of us is we already have a life structure around a set of habits they're just unintentional and, and anyone, you know, you just pull out your phone and take a look at your screen time, daily screen time. You see, you spend a lot of time, uh, doing these unintentional habits. You know, first thing, when you wake up in the morning, you scroll on Instagram, last thing you do before you go to bed, you flip through the the endless news cycle, Mm -hmm. you know, um, whenever you have a moment of pause in your day, we fill it with these these just immediate go-to habits. It's like breathing. We don't even think about it. And uh, I, I think the invitation and and um, to all of us who have lives like that is, like you said, we're too busy not to do this. We're too busy to continue to live in the way that we are living and allowing our time and our minds to be consumed by things that we are not consciously choosing, uh, rather 
instead of that, to choose a life that is ordered around what we say is most important, uh, which is relationship with God, relationship with others. Um, I think that's a very con convincing uh, way to think about this sort of thing. It's like, this isn't going to take away your freedom. This isn't rule of life's not going to take away your freedom or your time or your life. Your life and your time is already being taken from you. And mm -hmm. rule of life is, is you saying, I'm going to take it back and give it to what matters. Um, okay. So let's, let's dive into the other part of that question. I'd love to hear what you would say to the person. Cause we know there's going to be type a people out there who are just going to say, yes, I am going to have the best rule of life that anyone's ever had. <laughs> it's going to be so structured and I'm going to, you know, whatever. So what, you know, when it becomes all about the rules, I'm a competitive person for me, checking mm -hmm. things off a list is like the most uh, fulfilling and, and satisfying thing in the world. So having a list of habits or tasks or whatever I'm going to do in my day and checking those off the list, it can, it can become uh, it can become the end and not the means to the end. So, so what would you say to that person who makes it all about the habits, all about the rules? Yeah, I think you're just conditioning one, you're, you're switching one master for another. So if you are a type A person that's hyper-scheduled and rigorously competitive, and you and I have that in common, Charlie, what you're going to do is you're going to make the means the outcome. And that's not what we want at all, like you said. So um, I guess I didn't realize, and I can only speak for myself here, how addicted to activity I am. And I think our culture instills that. It's productivity 24-7. And if we stop and think about how God... Uh, instilled into his covenant people in Israel that the sign of the covenant was the Sabbath is trusting me to care for you and to shape you. And as you take an unhurried posture before me. So for me, I need to make sure that I'm not scheduling myself uh, out of the wazoo with all of these things to do in a rule of life. You need to keep it simple and attainable. And sometimes these that doesn't factor into these conversations and people are already off to the races. They're exhausted and defeated before they get three days into it. It needs to be sustainable. So that's where I think prayer and sitting in the presence of God and allowing him to dictate the pace rather than dictating it ourselves is key to success. Another uh, key barometer for success in crafting a rule of life and implementing it is we need to expect failure. That Because that's what's going to happen. We're going to be overwhelmed or underwhelmed and then want to race ahead or fall back or whatever it may be. And perseverance, methodical practice of life-giving habits brings success down the line and that's really what jesus was trying to teach his disciples which is based on israel's experience or god's desired experience for them to have with him in the old covenant i think a really helpful way of thinking about what you just said is is the image of a trellis and and a, yes. and a grapevine uh rule of life it, it refers to 
So regula, that Latin word, refers to a long wooden stick, which brings up an image of a trellis in a vineyard. And when you look at a vineyard, you know, Napa Valley, California, you don't immediately think about the trellis. Uh, you know, Instead, you think about the beauty of the scenery or the the fruit that it will produce the, yes. the the amazing wine that you'll get to drink you know because of the abundance and the health of the vines uh the trellis is is not a thought at all or or at most an afterthought and i think when we think about our rule of life uh if our lives are consumed by the trellis if all people see is the fact that man they're they're so legalistic about this rule of life that's all i can see then we're doing something wrong. But if they're seeing the beauty of our lives or the fruit that our lives are producing, and then the rule, the rule of life is is not even a thought or, or maybe just an afterthought. I think that's when we're approaching it in the right way. And so to your point, you might not get it right every time, or it might change uh, occasionally. Uh, but what matters is, are you making space and uh, to and uh, and are you do you have a structure to remain rooted to the vine, as it says in John fifteen, uh, which is necessary that we're mm-hmm. rooted to Jesus so that we can have a life of abundance and and produce uh, the fruit that He desires for us. So you know that's that's the end. So so who are we becoming? Who are we wanting to be? Um, is probably a great place to start when forming your own rule of life. So let's let's dive into the practicality of this. Where where do where do if someone has has never done this before, maybe they've dabbled in some spiritual disciplines, reading their Bible, praying, whatever, uh, but never been real intentional about it, much less uh, creating a whole st- structure um, to base their life on. Uh, where do where would you suggest that they begin? Yeah, what a what a great question, Charlie. I just wanted to affirm that whole vine and trellis thing. Amazing. I mean, that's a beautiful way to look at this. And just to tag on to that, um, the freedom and effectiveness that we long for is only manifested as a direct result of simplicity and submission. And as we structure our lives around those two themes, simplicity and submission to the Spirit of God, we can breathe. And a lot of us are having trouble breathing right now. We really are. So to get into the, the the practicalities of this, the nuts and bolts, I mean, I'm really excited about this. This has just kind of been a process that I've walked through. I'm going to share it with you. I'd love to hear your process too. So when I first discovered this, and there's great resources out there by uh, Foster and Willard and Steve Maki and others, and we'll talk about those probably at the end. But when I first began to be exposed to this through my spiritual father, Tom Johnston, at the Praxis Center, um, this was just kind of how I did it. I took out a piece of paper and I stopped and I divided it into different segments, different sections. And I thought about what my schedule looked like on a daily basis. What were the rhythms of my week? How was I spending my time sleeping, eating, working, family time? Um, vacation, those kinds of things. And then I just started listing these things out. This is what I do daily. This is what I do weekly. This is my monthly rhythm and my annual rhythm, annual vacation with my family, 
uh, annual trip to Knoxville, Tennessee for the Creo All Family Gathering at Commonwealth. High point of one of the high points of my year. That was on my annual. So um, as we look at these taskings, uh, we ref- we we sit there with it with the Spirit of God and reflect on it and say, where am I redlining? Where am I out of shape? Where am I experiencing pressure? And where do I need to create greater amounts of uh, space to deal with developing the way of life that Jesus is calling me into? So reflecting, examining, however you want to look at that, prayerfully listening to the voice of Jesus. God, where do you want me to grow? And I think it's helpful for evangelicals and maybe many of the people who are listening to this come out of that tribe um, it's not just memorizing more bible verse not just having extended times of prayer or going to more worship services or uh, times at the retreat center it's actually listening to what god wants you to do because he knows the answer we don't have to generate it so listening to the voice of god and asking him to highlight and then how do i proceed lord in ways in which are sustainable where you're going to be with me. And I think of Moses, unless you go with me, God, I'm not going. And God's promised to go with us in this and to give us life and light and joy. So then I talk about a little bit about scribbling, scribbling down whatever ideas come to mind, you know, where would God have me to grow? What would have me parse back or do away with completely? I think for those of us who worked in the church, oftentimes when we come to a new place, we find people and the organization itself overscheduled. Where do we need to draw down so we can listen better and experience more of Jesus, right? And then we need to articulate what the plan is going to be. We need to solidify structure about what our way of life will look like in our day-to-day uh, experience. And being Anglican, uh, the daily office shapes my daily experience with Jesus. So those are points in my day where I encounter God purposefully. And we could talk more about that later if we have time. But And then we practice, right? As my basketball coach used to say in high school, practice makes perfect, right? So expect to fail, expect to fall down. But remember that there's grace for you to get up and to travel with Jesus and to develop muscle memory over time. And in the perseverance comes breakthrough and rest and the things that our heart longs for. Because remember, gang, we're not generating any of this ourselves. Jesus is generating it from within as we submit to him and simplify and streamline so more fruit will be manifested. Getting back to your trellis and vine metaphor from earlier, Charlie. What do you think? Yeah, I think that that first step, really taking time to reflect and examine on your life uh, for us, I, I gave our community a habit audit, mm. you know, auditing your day-to-day life. Now that, that wasn't, that was just to get us thinking, right? It's not, there's, there's a lot more you can do in that time of reflection and examination. Um, And, and yeah, I mean, I, I would, I, I think another thing, and you got to this on your s- second point, but listening to God and asking him, how he would want us to grow and move forward. So often do we just jump into the practices? Yes. You know, we just say, uh, uh, I'm going to start reading my Bible every morning. Well, that's great. But if we don't have in our minds the direction that 
we are going, the way that God wants wants us to go, what we asked our community is, who are you becoming? If we don't have that in our minds, uh, then when it gets hard and we get tired and we don't want to do it, we won't have a reason to continue. And we also mm. may not structure our lives around the most effective habits because there's a lot of different ways that you could do this, a lot of different habits you could include. Yes. And some are going to be more helpful uh, for certain people that are going in a certain direction than others. And so having that in your mind, and it can be as simple as, you know, I want to know Jesus and make him known or, or what we say in our community. Um, and we've, we've stolen this from, from other communities, but to, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus and to do the things that Jesus did. Well, yes. if you have that in your mind, now we can build that out and say, well, how does that change how I am a friend to those in my life or how I am a spouse, a husband or a wife, or how I am a, a parent uh, or how I engage with my church community or how I handle my money yes, or how I spend my time or how I take care of my body, you know, then we, when, then we start to, to build out on this one core, let's say uh vision or value or mission statement, whatever it is. And we build out the, the practicals, but they are all pointing us back to that thing that God is calling us to be. So I, I think, uh, and, and it's, you know, this goes right with what you said, but I think we all need to start with some sort of vision for our lives and and, yes. and hopefully a vision that God has given you for your life. And that needs to fit into the bigger vision of what God is doing in the world and how he includes us in that. Um, so what does that look like for you specifically? And, and then as you process the specific day to day and week to week and month to month and yearly habits, uh, they should all be uh, uh, done with that vision in mind. Yeah, that's so good, Charlie. Um, I think we need to detox. We need to recognize that we need to detox from the cultural conditioning so that we can be reconditioned by the spirit to live the life we've always longed for, to use John Hortberg's term. Um, just like in training for the Camino, I didn't just start hiking 35 miles on one day. You had to start small and work your way up into it. So be kind to yourself, gang. Uh, recognize you need to be deconditioned so that you can be reconditioned. It's almost a, a mystical, uh, it's like a, a, a glorious invitation into heaven's boot camp in all of the right senses, not where you're going to be debased and dehumanized, but rather you're going to be rehumanized and exalted as you receive more and more conformity with the very image of Jesus. Yeah, what a great picture, uh, you know, applying it to your, your Camino. And for any of us who are athletes or former athletes or, or musicians or artists, uh, I mean, this, this is common sense in those spaces. If we don't practice, uh, our, these habits that will make us become that excellent athlete or excellent artist or excellent musician, we can never hope to actually become that. And, you know, Jesus says, and, and we're about to talk about this with our community this upcoming Sunday, but he says in Matthew seven, uh, verses 24 to 27, whoever hears my word and puts them into practice, 
uh, is like a wise builder who builds his house on the rock. And if you hear his words and do not put them into practice, you're like a foolish builder who builds their house on the sand. Um, but this, this idea of practices and practicing and, and, and it, it brings up the fact that this is a, a process of developing and becoming, mm-hmm. uh, not just all of a sudden being, uh, whatever it is that we feel, feel called to be. So, all right, let's, uh, we got, you know, 10 minutes left here. Um, what are some of the habits, you know, we're not writing anyone's rule of life. We're just trying to get mm-hmm. the juices flowing, but what are, what would you recommend people explore as far as some initial habits uh, that that maybe are important to you or you think are important to life with Jesus? Yeah. Um, my spiritual director, who's an abbot, uh, would say, if he were asked this question, unhurried time with God. That is the cornerstone of everything that follows in this beautiful life that we desire and we've been talking about. And typically, we don't have an unhurried anything in our lives. So for me, that looks like, because I'm a morning person, being with Jesus in an unhurried manner so that I can feed on the manna that he wants to give me. It's not super regulated. You know, it's the daily office. Um, It's a Leptio 365 app. And both of these things produce joy in me. They're not onerous or burdensome. And they'll lead me into a scripture or a series of scriptures, maybe a time of worship. Um, I'm not singing because everybody else is still sleeping, but I might be listening to some music. I might be just resting in God's presence and listening to his voice for an extended period of time. That unhurried, not necessarily highly programmed time with God is the foundation for this life that we're talking about. And from that, I'm looking to uh, have a rhythm of work that's life-giving and also sustaining for my family and for my life goals. I'm looking to celebrate both with people uh, in my family and outside of it, both my faith family, as well as my uh, my family of origin or my current family expression. Uh, I'm looking for ways to be in nature, to exercise my body, to bring the chemicals in my body that are usually out of whack because I'm hyper caffeinated or I haven't drunk enough water or whatever I've eaten terribly. I want to be out with God and being active. And that goes all the way back to Anthony's work and pray, right? So these are some of the rhythms that are essential. Some of the rhythms that kind of surfaced during my Camino was solitude. That was one that has become more important for me. Uh, The necessity for an annual retreat, either by myself or with other practitioners, Jesus highlighted that to me as well. Um, And then the slowdown. I'm just going to call it that. Um, I recognize how I rush through my life, and Jesus is calling me to slow down because I'm missing out. You know, it's the old phrase, stop and smell the roses, Charlie, right? Um, I literally stopped and smelled every rose along that entire hike to condition myself to take my time. So that's how I'd respond. What about you? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that has been helpful for me, so we've talked about 
including daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly habits. I, I think starting with the weekly or even the monthly is sometimes easier than starting with the daily. And yes. if we carve out, you know, like a, a, a day long retreat, like for me, if my habits are getting kind of out of sorts and my time and my mind is getting cluttered, one of the best things for me to do is just to take a day, go to the mountains and do a long hike. I love the physical challenge of it, but, mm -hmm. and, but the silence and the solitude, you know, about two or three hours in is when I really start hearing from God. Well, mm -hmm. coming out of that, uh, the daily habits that I've committed myself to are much easier. And I think mm -hmm. we do need that, that regular reset on a weekly and monthly uh, basis. I think uh, including others in our habits is really important as well. So one habit for me and for others in our uh, faith community here at Commonwealth is a weekly uh, Wednesday morning uh, listening prayer. We we alternate between listening prayer and, and Lectio Divina. Uh, every other or every Wednesday. So back and awesome. forth. And, you know, if other people are in the room, uh, I'm much more likely to wake up and show up at 6am. Right? <laughs> yes. Uh, if I'm telling myself, I'm going to do this alone at 6am every Wednesday morning, I'm much more likely to sleep in because there's mm -hmm. no accountability. And so for those listening here in Knoxville, <laughs> there's an easy way to start. Uh, mm -hmm. Join us uh, next next Wednesday, 6 a.m. We'll be there. Um, but I do think including others and doing it as a community. I was just reading something right before we we logged on together here, Foy, uh, from this book um, by Barry Jones called Dwell. Mm -hmm. and, and he's talking about how Christian spirituality, uh, it, it, it can't be done outside of community. Um, he quotes uh, another theologian or orthodox theologian in this book and says individualism is incompatible with christian spirituality none can possess the spirit as an individual but only as a member of community yes and and i think we forget that when we hear spiritual disciplines we think my own private personal because that's what we yes. have conditioned to believe in in our yes. american individualistic world uh, but so much of the practices and rhythms of of jesus and his community and and the the Israelite uh, nation all throughout the Old Testament, they're all communal. And yes. They're all done with others. And so I think not to say you won't have your own quiet, alone prayer time in the morning or whatever, but we need these core anchors of these communal rhythms in our life. Um, so that that's one place where I'd say an easy place to start. Yeah, fantastic, Charlie. Yeah, I love how I started with the individual and you moved to the communal. Um, you cannot have a rule of life with less than two people. I mean, mm -hmm. functionally and practically, because you will fail and you'll forget about it. You need somebody else on this journey. You need an Adam Carroll with you. You need right. a colleague. You need somebody who's going to say, hey, we're in this together. And Jesus's promise where two or three are gathered, he's in the midst of it. And if he doesn't strengthen and indwell this, it's going nowhere. But here's the cool thing. He's promised to do so. And we know from spiritual pioneers, mothers and fathers down through church history over the last two millennia, that when people submit and simplify and do it together, whether it's in the cathedral or the monastery or the abbey or the workspace, Jesus shows up and blesses his people with more of his person, with more of his presence, with more of his power. Hmm. 
and have fun with it too right yes yeah yeah lots lots of festivals in the jewish rule of life uh lots of eating and drinking and celebrating so have fun and and uh yeah enjoy receiving and giving love to god and others because that's what it's all about um foy real quick uh give us one or two resources places to go if people want to dive deeper into this concept yeah renovair uh which was founded by richard foster and dallas willard and some others have some great resources online richard foster's stream of living water uh awesome uh, you introduced me to Steve Machia's Crafting a, a Way, A Rule of Life. I'm really looking forward to reading that. And then also my spiritual father, Tom Johnston, has uh, The Code, which is available on Amazon as well. So that would be a great place to start. Or you could pick up The Rule of St. Benedict and go old school. All right. I will link all of those in the uh, in the description of this podcast. Foy, thank you so much for your time, man. Really appreciate you. You are a huge blessing to our community. Always love talking with you, Charlie. You bless me and inspire me. All right. You have a great day. You too. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Commonwealth Sela podcast. Commonwealth is a family of missionaries and microchurches located in the city of Knoxville, Tennessee. If you'd like to learn more, you can visit commonwealthknox.org.